Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. So folks, Anna and I have been talking for three or maybe even four years now. We have been through a lot together. First time she, we spoke, she was still working, then she retired. Now she's uh, syndicating, doing oceanfront Airbnbs. We've been through a pandemic. We've been through high inflation. We've seen a lot. But what we're going to talk about here, Anna, is something that a lot of people were hoping for, begging for, crying for, and that is a residential housing crash. Mm-hmm. So I've got to ask, why did residential real estate not crash like everybody wanted? What, what were some of the things that did not happen and uh, hence housing did not crash? Well, Michael, you and I have talked about the fact that we didn't think housing was going to crash nationally, even though transactions would would crash. And you you, you oh, were the sure. first to use that term crash in transactions. Um, we talked about lots of reasons why you would not have a national real estate value collapse. And real estate's very, very hyper-local, very regional. So it varies depending on the area that you're in pretty substantially. But at a high level, the biggest difference between now and 2008, which everyone wanted to compare this to 2008, 2009, we had a housing bubble and there was a huge crash in, in values, is because running up to that period, you had higher interest rates than we've had over the last several years, but it was also variable mortgages, highly variable mortgages. And so you had people that were in adjustable rate mortgages that suddenly had property values that were starting to fall at the same time that rates were going up, couldn't afford their payments. They just simply walked away and rented. And then we had a financial crisis and it was largely, you know, real estate based on the back of mortgage backed securities. And that really caused a crash in values pretty well nationwide, although some areas did better than others. What we've had over the last several years is historically low interest rates. I bought two properties sub 2.6% 30-year fixed mortgages, right? I wish I had bought more with them that low. Too. I bought probably five or six vacation rentals sub 4%, four, you know, three to 4.25%, 30-year fixed mortgages, right? So when you have most homeowners, and I don't remember the exact statistic, but I think it was like 86 or 87% of homeowners today have interest rates below 4%. The difference today is people don't have to sell. If they, why would they? The vast majority of people are saying, I can't afford to sell my house today because if I did, it's going to cost me $1,000 more a month to rent something else or to buy a new smaller house and still have a, a higher mortgage payment because of higher interest rates. So people have stayed put. So because of the lack of supply, even though demand has dropped with interest rates rising, you have more of an equilibrium than a lot of people thought you would because you haven't had this mass exodus of homeowners dumping their properties. Yeah. When I kind of go back and I think about the steps that all the crash bros or the the naysay the the bears about housing th think about, uh, you know, first it goes back to 2020 as I when a lot of people were starting to call for a crash, and you and I have gone through the 52 year spreadsheet and we've looked at 2020. Yes. 
and it was the second best year ever on an affordability scale. Absolutely. Right? The only year better was 2010. 2010 was better. It was record good affordability. So yes. to think we're going to have a housing crash when it's record affordability is nonsense. So that was kind and of the first thing. And now we have record unaffordability if you're trying to buy something new. So exactly. why would someone go from a very affordable housing situation to sell their house to now be, you know, cash poor because of your mortgage payment going up? Yep. People aren't going to do it unless they have so, to. So that was the first thing. And then we go to forbearance. And again, you and I have done this before. Yes. When the So we got to as high as I believe Black Knight said, 4.3 million people in forbearance. And if you listen to the crash bros, that was going to be the next thing. We're going to have another REO crisis and uh, it was coming and it was going to be fast and all of that. Well, there's a couple of things wrong with that. First, as you know, foreclosures aren't fast. The average foreclosure in California last time was over a thousand days. So wow. to look at four, yeah, that, that's almost three years. I was going to say two years. That's three years. Three, almost three. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Um. So again, everybody thought it would be quick, but here's the deal. Again, you and I went through this. These numbers will be close. I don't remember exactly, but in the last crisis, if you got 90 days late, you were over 90% sure you were going to lose the property because right. in the last crisis, because everything was bundled up in CMBS and all of this um, mortgage-backed securities, the bank couldn't talk to you until you were 90 days late. They actually right. told you. We can't talk to you until you're 90 days late. True. Then maybe we can do a short sale or, or whatever. But once that started, that they popped the balloon that way. So what did we do this time? Forbearance with a push of a button. You could have a year of no payments. Then they came to 40-year right. mortgages, silent seconds. If you guys didn't know that that was completely different, I don't know. You were not paying attention. So that wasn't it. Less than 1% of the $4.3 million forbearances have gone to stress sale, which blew people's minds. But you and I talked wow. about Right. And then lastly, today, again, we've gone from record good affordability to record bad affordability. And again, it doesn't mean prices crash. It means transactions crash, right? which we correctly talked about 40%. And I would call that a crash. And transactions crashing brings down demand, but you exactly. also have a lower supply. And so when both come down equally, prices don't adjust substantially. Now, there's a few markets where the pricing has started to adjust, sure. but it's typically, and you and I talked about this over the last you know, two years quite a bit, but it's those higher end multi-million dollar homes. It's the vacation rentals. It's the things that are discretionary that people can't necessarily afford to keep. Those high end homes, those vacation homes, the values tend to come down a little faster. And, and we're seeing it now in, in some areas in the Airbnb space where people bought um, thinking, you know, they bought a residential house and overpaid by 200 grand thinking oh. they could Airbnb it. And all, now all of a sudden those those renters are slowing down and they can't cover their mortgage. And so you do have some values where you start to see price cuts, um, but it, it's the people that kind of need to sell. It's not the vast majority. No. Again, as we as we kind of sit here today, again, these numbers are close. I think 98% of mortgages are fixed. I think 90 some odd percent are below 6%, 85 below. I mean, it's just crazy statistics. Below four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think, I think the real estate market is broken for a couple of years. And the other thing we're seeing, because I bring on top agents as well, is supply is down, right? I bring on Lance Lambert. 
who's a fortune editor and not only supplies down, but new listings are down. And Absolutely. Fi finally, uh, I talk, I have a couple of flippers on the channel every week and they're like, dude, anything below the median flying off the shelf, yes. flying off. And again, as rates come down. So we have a bifurcated market, entry level homes, crazy hot bidding wars are back. Offer review dates are back. Nonsense is back. Luxury and ultra luxury. If, you, if you're Patrick Bet David and you can shop for a $25 million home, go get a good discount. Right. But most exactly. of us aren't there. So, yeah. And I, I just saw a post, uh, you know, from a guy who's, who's flipped quite a few properties and they can't sell a $400,000 flip. They've, they've dropped the price, can't sell it because people can't afford to put a tenant in it for a long-term rent and can't afford the mortgage payment at that high. So, you know, if you are flipping properties and I don't, I don't personally think it's a great time to be flipping, but if you are flipping properties, you know, for, for all, make sure that you're in the average price, the median yes. priced home level, because then you've got lots of buyers and you can, you can have it as a long-term rental if it doesn't, doesn't do yeah. well. Um, but the higher end, and it tends to be around in that 400,000 mark and above, are those that you start to see the bigger price decreases. So even on some of these maps where you'll see, and you and I've talked about the fortune map that I really like, um, yeah. that shows you know the price changes and the sales changes in, in lots of major cities in the country, some of those are skewed by high-end homes. So like if you're in a part, if you're near LA or you're in Seattle where the average home is probably 400,000 anyway, you're going to see bigger price drops because they're higher end homes. But by and large, you know, we have not seen significant cuts other than those areas where there's super motivated sellers. You and I talked about home builders. You know, I got a steal from Lennar. All of a sudden, Lennar stock's doing well. They've got a lot of buyers and they're raising their prices again. And so yeah. um, I, I don't think we're going to see the huge opportunity of buying properties pennies on the dollar. But what we can do is take advantage of the opportunity of people that have really low mortgages and yes. talk about loan assumptions and those types of things. And sometimes you can make a better deal by assuming a great loan that sure. then you can some seller financing with less money down, low interest rates than you can getting a certain dollar price off the home. So don't think there's no opportunity. It just means the opportunity is different than what you might've expected. Yeah. So let's see if anybody's still watching this and they're watching this because they're hope there is a housing crash coming. And again, I'll define a crash as nationally 20% over multiple years. When I sit here today, the only thing that I think could cause that is if we went to 10% unemployment and please hear this. And we stayed at 10% employment for 12 to 18 months. That could be a big enough problem to create more forced sellers, but it would have to be something that drastic and so out of the ordinary. Because again, remember what happens if we go to 10% unemployment, we cut rates to zero and turn on the money machine. Um, but right. yeah, if we got to 10% and we were there for a year, year and a half, that may, but again, remember what's the timeline for a foreclosure. So you lost your job, you ran out of unemployment, <laughs> then you had forbearance, then you had, a, I mean, we might not see deals for five years, but sure. that, you know, if that's what you're hoping for, I don't like your chances. Yeah, if, if if we had some type of you know Great Depression 2.0, which there are yeah. some people calling for that, even some economists are saying things are going to get you know pumpier than they are. You know, mm -hmm. maybe you you have that. The great thing is your chart showed when we went back and looked since the 1960s, I think, or 1970s. Yep. Seven, 70, yeah. 
Average average inflation adjusted real estate grows 1% a year. So even yeah. if there was a quick dip, it'd be great for you to have opportunity, but you don't have to worry that housing you know, prices are going to crash and they're never going to come back up. Um, there's little blips, but it's always an upward trajectory. And because we still have a, lot, a lack of housing compared to the housing demand today, you're not going to see major crashes in real estate prices, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for this. Where can people find you? Great. You can find me on my playlist on your channel, on social media at Anna Kelly, REI Mom, and my website, reimom.com. Thank you so much.